Welcome to the Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. You're listening to our weekly worship service message. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, choir, for leading so beautifully. And thank you again for being here today and allowing the presence of the Lord to be in this place. I heard a funny story this week I wanted to share. It was a a man who was a known worry wart. He fretted about everything. Well, one day, a dear close friend of his says, I noticed that you're not uptight today. You seem to be very relaxed, like you don't have a care in the world. And he said, he said, I am. He said, well, how come? He said, I hired somebody to worry for me. And his close friend said, what? How, how did you find someone to do that? He said, I took out an ad in the paper. He said, what, what did the ad say? It said, you come and worry for me and I'll pay you $1,000 a day. He said, $1,000 a day, you know you don't make that kind of money. How do you intend to pay him? And he said, that's for him to worry about. (laughs) Life can be filled with uncertainty. Life can be filled with worry. We worry about our future. Uh, We worry about uh, our children. We worry about our employment. We worry about our grades. We, we worry about our family issues. We, we worry about senseless shootings. We worry about terrorist attacks. We worry about the threat of nuclear war. We worry about dying. We worry about living. The actual word worry comes from an old English phrase that means to choke out. And that's exactly what worry does to our lives when we allow it to intrude or to invade our lives. It chokes the very life out of us. In our scripture passage today, we meet a a man who is greatly worried. As a matter of fact, he's filled with anxiety and worry and fear because he has a very sick son at home. And maybe you're here today and you're in that same situation. You're filled with worry, anxiety, and fear. And you're wondering what you're going to do. I pray that through this scripture today, that the Lord will deliver you from your worry and your anxiety. And he will also open your spiritual eyes to see his bigger plan and purpose for your life. Because in this scripture, we meet a man who it says in verse 46 that there was a a certain uh, royal uh, nobleman whose son lay sick in Capernaum. We see a man that was in a world of worry. Why was he worried again? He had a very sick son. And we can assume that this man was a wealthy man. He was in the court of Herod, and we can come to the conclusion is that he could probably buy anything he wanted. He had all the money in the world, but he did not have a peace of heart and a peace of mind. 
You know, there are some things that money just can't buy. Money cannot buy you life, and money cannot buy you health. Maybe you've heard it said, money can buy you a king-sized bed, but it cannot buy you a good night's sleep. It's been said that money can buy you a giant house, but it cannot buy you a home. Money can buy you a companion for the night, but it cannot buy you love. Many of us saw in the news in recent days where some wealthy folks tried to buy their children's way into prestigious schools. You just can't buy everything. But some of you are here today and you find that you are in a place where you're worried and you're anxious and you're uh, just so upset. I read one study where 79 to 90% of all visits to primary care physicians are stress-related problems or health issues. 79 to 90% of all visits to primary health uh, physicians are due to stress-related problems in people's lives. You could probably write on the the gravestones of many Americans today, uh, hurried, worried, buried on some of the gravestones today because that's what everybody's doing. They're hurrying and they're worrying and they're dying as a result. And my prayer is today that we would not allow worry to dominate and to paralyze our lives. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 27, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And if you read verse 34 of Matthew chapter 6, it says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 7, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Do you believe that today? We are to cast all our anxiety on him because he cares for you recently i received a message from someone and they were asking for prayer they said please pray for my family and they said these words i am completely overwhelmed and overcome with anxiety completely overwhelmed and overcome with anxiety Does that describe you today? So I sent back the message, I will indeed pray for you. I'll pray for you right now. And then I said, read these verses, which many of you know by heart, found in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It's Paul's prescription for anxiety and worry. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and 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 thanksgiving present your request to god and the peace of god that passes or transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in christ jesus did you hear that do not be anxious about anything but pray in everything that's the prescription quit trying to handle your worry your anxiety your fear on your own strength You must give it completely to the Lord. 
in this scripture today, there was a man who had a world of worry. He was so worried about his son. But then we learned that he went out of his way to get to Jesus. He went out of his way to get to Jesus. For it said in verse 47, when he learned that Jesus had come from Judea into, uh, into Galilee or to Cana, that he immediately went and begged, implored, pleaded with Jesus to come and heal his son who was close to death. He pleaded and he begged that Jesus would come. Now, Capernaum was about 17 miles from Cana. So this royal official probably picked out the fastest stallion in the stable and he got on there and he rode like the wind. He didn't send his servant on his behalf to Jesus. It was important enough for him to come to Jesus on his own. We can't send somebody else to Jesus on our behalf. We have to care enough to go to Jesus on our own free will, on our own choice, to think it's important enough that we come to Jesus and he rode like the wind to go and to plead with Jesus that his son would live. If you were here Wednesday night at prayer meeting, we talked about the importance of when we pray that we would pray to the Lord and worship the Lord with a desperation, with a hunger, with a fervency, with a desire. Let me ask you today, when you pray and when you come to worship, are you coming with a desperation and a desire and a fervency that you believe God is going to bring a miracle in your life? That's how we are to pray. That's how we are to worship, expecting an almighty God to do what we cannot do on our own strength. There must be a hunger and a thirst for God to do again what we cannot do on our own. And that's what this man was doing. He was in a desperate place crying out to God. And maybe that's what you need to do today. You need to have the desperation to cry out to God to say, I'm, I'm going through some stuff right now and I, I don't think I can handle it on my own, but, but I'm going to come to you. I love what the Lord said in Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Did you hear that? You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. We are to come to him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength and pour out our best to the one who gave his best for you and for me. I also mentioned a passage of scripture on Wednesday night found in Luke chapter 18. Do you remember the story of the blind man who we learn in Mark's gospel's name is Bartimaeus? And when Jesus approached the gates of Jericho, blind Bartimaeus was standing out at the gate saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And do you remember what the crowd that followed said to him? Shh, be quiet, man. Shh. They were saying, he doesn't have time for you. 
He, he doesn't have the time to fool with the beggar from the city gate. But the man cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus said, bring the man to me. And in verse 41, he said to the man, what is it that you want? And he said, Lord, I want to see. And then Jesus said in verse 42, he said, your faith has healed you. Receive your sight. I love that story. Here's a man that didn't worry about what people thought. He didn't worry about the crowd saying, Shh, be quiet. He came out of desperation. He was specific in his prayer. Lord, I want to see. How many of us worry more about what people think than what God thinks? How many of us are paralyzed in our situation because we're afraid to show because of pride or because of past experiences? We're afraid to come. This man was in his flowing noble robe and he rode into town out of desperate. Do you think he cared what the crowd around him was thinking about him? All he was thinking about was my son who was sick and he was willing to do anything to see him saved. And that's how we're to come to Christ. Not worrying about what anyone else thinks. How many of you all have not made a public profession of your faith or join this church because you're worried about what a few hundred people are going to think when you walk up in front of a few people. I would much rather worry about what my heavenly father thinks when I stand before his throne one day. That's a lot more important than getting up in front of a few people on a Sunday morning. And I can't help but think about a month and a half ago, there was a a young man, I've told you on many Sundays, we, we pray over these pews and chairs every Wednesday night. And we extend that touch to the hallways and classrooms and parking lots and roadways. Again, if you feel the Holy Spirit this morning, it's because somebody prayed that the Holy Spirit would be sitting where you're sitting right now. We pray over the chairs and extend that all over so that people might feel the presence of God. Well, after we prayed over these pews about a month and a half ago, there was a young man who was up here praying at this altar. And so I went over to him, and I don't know him well, but I went over to him and I said, man, is everything okay? Is there something I can do for you? And then he began to share some of his story. And I'm not going to go into all the details except to tell you that he battles addiction. And as he told me about his battle with addiction, I said, man, I want to pray with you that God's going to deliver you and give you victory. Man, you keep on keeping on. At the time, he was four days sober. Four days. And I said, I'm going to pray. And he was struggling too. You could tell he was struggling with it. And I said, man, you call me anytime. If, if you feel like you're going to fall, you... you do something positive, you pray, you go jogging, you get down and do some push-ups, you, you call somebody, do something positive, don't you give in. Wouldn't you know I hadn't seen him since this past Wednesday night, right before our fellowship meal downstairs. This young man showed up and he said, I can't stay, I've been working all night and, 
I've got, he said, but I just wanted to tell you, I've been sober for 38 days, and I just want to give God praise. I said, man, you keep on keeping on. God's got you, and you stay on that right path, and God's going to continue to bless your life. But we have to desire, we have to have a desperation that we want God to rule and reign in our lives. He doesn't force himself upon anyone. He wants us to hunger for him, thirst for him, desire for him. I mean, you've heard that old saying, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make them drink. I can point you to Jesus, but I can't force you to give your heart and life fully surrendered to him. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. And I pray today that you would open your life to his leadership. This man went way out of his way. He rode 17 miles to go to Jesus to beg for him to come and heal his son. But then know this, that this man, he waited and his whole household came to believe. He waited and his whole household came to believe. Jesus said in verse 48, when this man went and begged and pleaded with him to come heal his son, he said, you people, you just want to see signs and wonders or you'll never believe. You know what he was saying? Jesus wasn't being mean-spirited or cruel. He was saying, you all like the razzle-dazzle of something grand happening, some miracle, something magnificent in your life but you really don't want a relationship with God. You just want something grand to happen, get your prayer answered and go back to living however you've been living. But he's saying, look, it's not about just having a, a miracle, but it's about something bigger than that. Jesus was more concerned than just for this boy. He had a bigger picture in mind. He was thinking about the whole family. So many times we're just thinking about our crisis, our worry, our problem, and we're not seeing the big picture. Because when the man, even after Jesus made that claim in verse 48, the man continued to persist. He wasn't deterred. He could have said, okay, I'm one of those wanting to see a sign and wonder. I'm going to head back to Capernaum. But you know what he did? He pleaded all the more. My son's about to die. Please come to him. And then Jesus said in verse 50, Go, your son will live. Now get this part. And the man took Jesus at his word and he departed. That's faith, isn't it? The man took Jesus at his word and he departed. Now, I love the rest of this story, and now the rest of the story, that this man, when he was starting on his way home, met some of his servants coming to him. Why were they coming? They were excited to say, your son is alive, your son is living. And, and the man said, let me ask you, uh, what, what, time, what time was it? Uh, exactly when when the fever left him and they said it was about one o'clock yesterday 
that your son was healed. The man knew that was the exact time that Jesus had told him your son will live. But did you get this? It was at one o'clock yesterday. Well, don't you think if this, if this man was so desperate for his son and then when Jesus said your son would live, he would get back on you know, his horse and that's my imitation of riding the horse right now. He would get on that horse and he would hightail it home to see if this prayer was answered. But you know what? He trusted in the Lord. He went on while he was in Cana and ate at that seafood restaurant he had, had been wanting to eat at. He stayed another night in the Hilton at Cana. He was spoiled a little bit and just lived it up a little bit and took his time because he trusted in the Lord. You hear this verse all the time, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And then a verse that I've shared over and over, which is right here underneath this pulpit, underneath this hardwood, where my wife and I wrote when this church was being built and when my son Isaiah, who'll be 16 here in a few weeks, was sitting in a carrier on this platform, we wrote Hebrews 11:6, And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This man was earnestly seeking God. He was earnestly seeking Jesus. And as a result, he said, your son will live. Now, please know this. God's ways are so much higher and greater than ours. We can't always understand why some people are healed and why some people are not. Don't, don't mistake me saying this, that if your child wasn't healed, it wasn't because you lacked faith. It was just in God's grand scheme of things that we cannot know on this side of eternity, but one day we'll know when we see him face to face. But the fact is, when we have faith, regardless if our prayer is answered the way we wanted it answered or the way God wanted it, we are to continue to believe. And it goes on to say in verse 53, that he and his whole household believed. Isn't that great? Jesus saw the bigger picture. It wasn't just this man he, or just his son. He was thinking about his whole household. His whole household came to believe as a result of his faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? God's timing is perfect. Do you all believe that? Ecclesiastes 3.11 said, He makes everything beautiful in its time. Some of y'all are in an ugly situation right now, a painful circumstance, and you, you just see nothing but hopelessness and worry and fear, but He makes everything beautiful in its time. Some things don't make logical sense, but that's where our faith and our trust comes in to say, I trust in you, God, for things that are way out of my, uh, my ability to understand. 
And today I want you to hear this. The same Jesus that told that man, go, your son lives, is still giving life today. The same one is still bringing healing and still bringing miracles. And I don't want you just to receive a miracle and go on your merry way. I want you to have a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. I want you to begin a personal relationship with God as a result of your faith in Him. And again, maybe you've been contemplating, but you've been worrying about what people think. In a moment, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks. This is business between you and the Lord. Won't you come? Or maybe you're here and you've been visiting this church, and I say it every week. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. There's imperfect people sitting all around you. But we're not here for each other. We're here to serve our perfect God. We're here to glorify Him. Not, what can you do for me? But Lord, what can I do for you? What can I do for you today? Because you've done enough for me. Or maybe you're here and you've, again, been looking for a a place to call home. You're a Christian, but you've gotten off track and you want to come back home today. However the Holy Spirit leads you, I'm going to ask you to, to trust Him at His Word and He will bring you life even now as we pray. Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that if there are any men or women or young people here that, Father, have been putting off doing what they know they need to do, I pray this would be the day that they would come to invite Jesus to come into their heart publicly and they would not worry about what anyone else thinks. We're not here for other people. We're here for you. Or Father, maybe there are folks that are Christians and and yet they want to come to this altar and pray or they want to recommit their life to say, I've doubted and I know God's timing is perfect, but I've grown impatient and I've quit hungering and and, uh, thirsting and, and being in a place of desperation. I've given up on him. Oh Lord, rekindle the flame, rekindle the fire that they would come back to you. Or Lord, maybe folks have been visiting this church and and they want to be a part of this church family. We, we are not perfect, but there's a lot of awesome people here that will love and support and encourage one another, God, as we grow in your likeness. So God, help us right now to hear your still, small voice and uh, that we would come as you call us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 11 a.m. For more information about our church and our ministries, go to forksbaptist.org.